ends well boxing. Come on in. Ireland's Boxing Weekly Podcast on all things amateur, professional, domestic and international. If you'd like to listen to any or all of a back catalogue of almost 200 episodes, perhaps you just want to find the links to our YouTube channel or any of our social media platforms, go to www.endswellpod.com on the past, present and future of Irish boxing. You're welcome on in. I hope this episode finds you alive, well, and and smiling. A few days can be a long time in sport, particularly in this boxing game that we all love. When I began writing and recording this episode, my intro was all about back to school, dark evenings and electric picnic, and how quickly that shifts and changes upon the announcement of the Queen's death. Instead of looking forward to a feast of female fights, we're almost facing a sporting version of a lockdown. Whatever it is you're doing as you listen to this episode number 197, I hope you are tip-top magoo. Because I come from the land of plenty. Celebrating the matriarch in this episode, two fantastic fighting females, Shotgun Shannon O'Connell joins us all the way from Australia, where she's in training camp, preparing to fight Ebony Bridges for the IBF Women's Bantamweight World title. She tells us an extraordinary story about her life growing up, about how boxing, like so many others, got her back on track and possibly, quite possibly, very probably, saved her life. My dad was a speedway rider. He died when I was two, five days after my birthday and five days before his. And with 2022 being somewhat of a smashing year for Irish amateur boxing, it's an absolute privilege to welcome an old friend of the podcast. It's Fast Hands, Neve Faye. When you have the highs, you never want to be in them. We'll have a look around the boxing world to see what's happening where and when. But before all that, please let me remind you. Most, if not all, of the boxing community in Ireland, and indeed around the north, and indeed in Belfast, will know of Dahi McGowan. Apart from being a huge boxing fan, Dahi is a sports fanatic. He loves all sports, whether it's hurling, football, soccer, and of course boxing, where he can count the likes of Tommy McCarthy, Paddy Barnes, Carl Frampton, Mick Conlon, and many more as his close and good buddies. Dahi has been on the transplant list since shortly after he was born in 2016. As his sixth birthday approaches this October, we Dahi is still on the waiting list and still needs a heart transplant. But to look at him, you would never guess, you'd never know. Never ever in a million years would you look at this little fella and think, or, or, or be aware of anything, to be honest with you. This fun-loving, vibrant, lively little dude, could he could teach us all a thing or two when it comes to the live-laugh-love approach. But you're going to see and hear an awful lot more about that in the coming weeks. So I've asked Dahi and his dad to pick their 20 favourite fighters around the world and, and to put them in order of preference. Regardless of profile, regardless of how big or where they're situated, my hope and my plan then is to use my connections and reach out to them throughout the boxing community, wherever they may be, and ask can we use their photo and ask can they come on board and help us promote, push and publicise Dahi's battle. I'm asking you, I'm appealing to you. Each and every time you see a post with Dahi, with the calendar, with myself, with Martin or whatever it else as it goes along and as it gains momentum, please share it. Please put it out there and help spread the word. And I can't start anywhere else other than by thanking you for taking time to listen to that last episode. It really did resonate with quite a lot of boxing fans and it was very interesting to interact with you guys on, on a number of different levels, on a number of different uh, 
facets and features of that fight. Again, I want to keep stressing, and I will always make it a point of pointing out that, um, a point of pointing out, that I'm not for one minute sitting here thinking that I know all there is to know. Not for one minute. What I want to do is learn from people who know, and most importantly, learn with you. And if you and I can learn together and pick up little tips and pieces as we go along, well then, listen, we're doing something a little bit more than, than just having fun, aren't we? But the biggest part of it all, I guess, is that we get to have fun. So again, I want to stress and I want to ask you, the listener, to come in touch, get in touch, give me a shout. Let me know if there's people you think I should interview, if there's anybody you could suggest, anybody you think that you know that would like to come on and have a chat with me, whether about any feature or facet of boxing at any level, it would be a privilege. And on that note, I want to say a big shout out and a big thanks to some old pals who were in touch again after a while. Dean Byrne, big shout out to you, my man. And uh, Levi, of course, hadn't chatted to him in a while. It was great to chat with you. Big hello also to uh, Roy and a couple of more newer listeners to the podcast. Special thanks to Declan for getting in touch, to Tommy Smith, thank you, and to Dervla. Thanks very much to one and all and everybody else that gets in touch or likes or shares any of the posts on across the social medias or makes points. Thank you very much. Another piece of news and an exciting venture that I really am looking forward to getting my teeth into is that we will be working with Ed Griffin and his team to feature, profile and help as best we can build up to the biggest female box cup outside, I would say, maybe of uh, Haringey and Sweden, uh, the Esker Box Cup 2022. The finer details are in the works. We'll be working closely with Ed and, as I said, his team to build up as best we can and bring some maybe different views and different sides and different little insights into a what it goes into running a box cup and, more importantly, to profile some of the fantastic Irish female fighters that are on the way up. And if you haven't guessed from listening to all of that, if you haven't guessed from that Christmas morning-like, child-like excitement in my voice, the bug is back. One of the more common themes running through all of our previous episodes, and pretty much all of our guests, has been the key presence of a mentor or a guiding force in their life, and then later in their boxing career. Oftentimes that has had to come in the absence or the inability of a parental influence. You'll hear in a few minutes that it's the key to Shannon O'Connell's survival in life, and then of course later on in her boxing career, which right now sees her on the precipice of the women's bantamweight boxing world. Likewise, if you're familiar with that theme and those stories, well, it's nothing new for you to hear about my upbringing, my nan, my granddad, and the key roles that they played in me at the important parts, the development parts of my life and in my early teens. I've done a lot of reflection and looking back as as I prepared for this episode, and I've come to know, which I have done before this, but again, even more so, that my world just became a little bit more erratic. And it was nothing dramatic or nothing sinister. It was just, I I was kind of aimless. I was clueless. I I, I was lost. And, and I didn't do anything. I didn't wander over the legal boundaries. I didn't get myself into any trouble. I certainly didn't get locked up or anything like that. I was too, too afraid of, of having a squad car at the door. But internally, I can remember stages of just just doubt. Not knowing what was what. Where was I going? What was I going to do? What did I want to do? What was I good at? Or, or was I good at anything? And the, the, the loss of that loving arm from, from my nan, being able to just slip around the shoulder or around the waist and say, come on, come on, you're grand. 
come on, we we'll, we'll fix this. What what's up or what is it? Or even without me having to speak or without me having to say that there was something wrong, that the fact that she she was able to tell and and do her do her best to coax out of a of a young, headstrong, stubborn and and lost young fella. Uh, what what it might be that might have been trouble. I and mean, a lot of the time it might have been just that I had lost a game of three and in or, or that I, I let a goal in in Wembley or, or something silly like that. But there were there were key things as well and, and they've stayed with me for, from from that day till this. Their loss, you know, it, it's never really rested. It's never settled. It's never It's never something that I've just got to grips with. It doesn't, it doesn't go away, the pain. It, even more so now, on these big occasions, say on family occasions where the birth of a child or, or, or a special a communion or a confirmation, it's, 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 it's sometimes there's those occasions that I, I find myself just slipping away for a few minutes just to take those moments and say, you know what, Nan? Or you know what, Grandad? I wish you were here, you know, but I think again as I get older and maybe it's a comfort thing. It is maybe like that arm around the waist or over the shoulder that, I come to think that they're never too far away. So don't want to get too preachy or don't want to get too uh, philosophical, but it is something that I certainly take great comfort out of. And I hope you, as you listen, that maybe at some point, if you don't already, that you can too. And and I know that this conversation that we're about to have with Shannon O'Connell is something that you're going to pick up a lot on the influence. And, and there's also a, an article, a fantastic article that I'll, that I'll share with you from a boxing journalist, a sports journalist from Down Under, from Australia. His name is Grant Lee Chiesa. Shannon O'Connell walks slowly from a house in Wynham on Brisbane's southern bayside, where a tattoo artist has spent three hours decorating her right arm. The toughest woman in Queensland has just had the image of her late father, firm jaw, button nose, just like hers, etched permanently to her epidermis, and it has been a traumatic experience. The discomfort of the needlework was bad enough, but when O'Connell, a 33-year-old mother of two, makes it to her car, her emotions bubble over. She was only two when her 25-year-old dad, Kevin O'Connell, an adult electrician who rode Speedway motorcycles in his spare time, became the first fatality at Speedway City on Adelaide's rural outskirts, the day before Australia Day, 1985. Sliding across the treacherous clay surface, he hit an unprotected concrete wall and was killed instantly in an accident that also spelled the end of Speedway bikes on that circuit. O'Connell has no real recollection of her lifelong hero, only fragments of family folklore and snatches of memory. She's heard so many stories about him that reality and imagination blur to the point where she's not sure what she remembers and what she thinks she remembers. She likes to think of him as a knight in shining armour who rode to the rescue of her mum, and was gone just before the job was done. She has few precious photos of her dad, but one is of their last Christmas together. She's sitting on the knee of her mum, Linda, in front of her father, and Linda's boys, Michael, now 38, and Simon, 35. A month after Kevin was killed, Linda began a slow and painful death spiral, and O'Connell would need every bit of fight she could summon to keep going. Outside the tattooist's home, O'Connell reaches her car, a high-powered Subaru WRX with a boxer engine and the word shotgun emblazoned across in plastic decal. She opens the door and looks down at her dad's image staring back at her and the tears begin to run down her face. Something the Irish folk love here is is a story and, and I think it's fair to say your backstory is pretty special, isn't it? It's pretty unique. Yeah, I guess I guess so. I would hope it's unique. I wouldn't like to, to think that a lot of people have been through what I've been through. 
I think when when it all is said and done, we could be looking at it as some sort of a script, very least a proper documentary. Do you mind telling us a little bit about that? My dad was a speedway rider, a solo a bike rider. He died when I was two. He died five days after my birthday and five days before his birthday. So I've always sort of struggled around around the time of my birthday to, to be able to celebrate. My mum went off the rails when, when he died. She got caught up with all the wrong people and and I guess tried she she became heroin addict basically, which I mean a lot of people I guess I I I, I understand. She did a lot of stupid things and, and you know, a lot of people wouldn't blame me, I guess, if I hated her, but I mean, she was grieving. She was, uh, heroin is, is such a horrible drug that once you try, you can't stop. Like once you get involved, like, I mean, she, she probably made a whole heap of decisions in, in life that were out of her control because of the drugs. So I grew up hard with, with a lot of bikies around us coming in and out, in and out of our house. And you just, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I remember that there was times where people that I would have thought were her friends would come looking for drugs and if they didn't have it they'd bash her and and I would just hide upstairs and um you know they'd trash our house we we moved houses probably every six months I don't think we were ever in a house longer than six months and it was always like the the housing commission houses um so they were obviously never it was never nice from when I was 12 I ran away from home but I mean I've People think you run away from home and you're living on the streets or you're living at your friends. I ran away from home and went to my grandparents' house. I, my, they used to have like a reverse charges phone number for me so that I could ring them wherever I was. And, and no matter where I was, we lived an hour away from them. My pop would come and pick me up no matter what time it was, no matter where I was. He was there anytime I ever needed him. But obviously going into high school then, I was, and, and you know, having not the best influences through my younger years. I started getting into trouble at school and that was an obviously that would never sit well with my grandparents who were really good people. So if I'd get in trouble with at school and they would be hard on me, so I'd go back to my mum because I could pretty much get away with anything I wanted there, then I would just hate living that life. So I'd run away again and uh, yeah, it was, I I sort of went back and forth for a few years and then um, from when I was about 15, I I just stayed with my grandparents. And that, folks, is... um... That's that's a a shortened version of a of a, <laughs> of a, of a, of a I think it's very rarely Shannon we speak to somebody in this boxing game that we and, and I I always say this if you don't like boxing I understand why you don't I understand people not liking boxing because there's a lot of things not to like about it and that's before we even get to the business side of it but it's very rarely when you when you you, you speak to somebody at the top level of boxing who hasn't gone through some sort of difficulty or hasn't had some sort of all the good ones do and it's what what cuts what makes the cut but I think it's fair to say with all due respect even your story just it's 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 special do you mind me asking did it take long for you to be able to I won't say control it but to be able to come through the other side of it it is still a daily struggle but it's one that I've learned to deal with like um I've had my time even even after I found boxing I've I've had my ups and downs like in a massive way I've been I mean, I guess if you look at social media and, and you look at, well, if you look at Google, it says I'm a millionaire. <laughs> um, but <laughs> I, um, there's been times where I've found myself in that same position as my mum. Like, I mean, I, I I have tried to commit suicide. Uh, well, not try. I've attempted suicide at, a couple of times. Um, 
I guess I un- it made me understand depression a lot better. People people say suicide's the easy way out, but I, I'm I'm a massive believer that it's not. It just shows mm. that you've been too long for too long, and 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 it always does catch up with you. I started to realize that because I, I did hate my mum for a long time, obviously until I went through it myself, and I started to realize that I was in a lot of ways becoming the things that I hated my mum for, but she wasn't here for me to tell her that, you know, apologize or, or tell her that I understood her or, or that or even for me to be there for her. Obviously not in the way of drugs, but my addiction for boxing even. Like at times I felt like I was running in early in the morning, pick, taking my kids to daycare, going to work, picking them up from daycare, going to training, coming home and going to bed. And I was always tired. I was like, you know, I just thought, that I didn't feel like that was me doing the right things for my kids. We we were we just didn't live a normal life. And I, I was at, at one point I was working two jobs and training twice a twice a day. So you know it was my kids were just dragged around with me everywhere, and and they were in daycare from six in the morning. And and I just thought it was people used to say to me, "Well, why don't you stop boxing?" I'm like, "Because that's that's the only thing I do for myself." And that's I I understand now that that's what gets me through it is the 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 pushing myself and um. At the time, I guess I, I thought my addiction was boxing and I couldn't give it up for my kids, just like my mum couldn't give up heroin for me. You're able to channel everything that you need to channel. You can use the anger, you can use the energy, you can use the lack of energy, the lack of everything. It's, it's one of the very few sports that, that allows you to encompass all that, but I guess it's the control from you. I can relate a lot to what you're saying there. There's, I, I've had my difficulty, nothing even remotely close to yours. It's taken me until the last, I suppose, ironically, during lockdown in the last 18 to 24 months where I can just kind of come out the other side of it and say, listen, with the best will in the world, there was nothing that I could have done to change any of it. I always wanted to try my hand at, um, at the media side of things because, to be honest with you, I look at a lot of it and listen to a lot of it and I cringe. I really do. I look and think... Mate, you you got to have a better question that you could ask a fighter as he walks to the ring. When that knock comes at the door, what's your thought? I literally say, and I probably for my entire <laughs> career sat there in the dressing room and thought, I literally say, whose idea was this? <laughs> what do we think? And then I get out the ring. When's the next one? <laughs> and and I know I, I'm sure you're familiar with Beck Connolly, tough girl. She's based there in yeah. Swindon in the UK, and she's a great friend of mine. She's become a great friend of mine, and she says she can't go to the ring. Her fight preparation is never complete without vomiting violently before she goes to fight, even yeah. at this stage of her career, you know, and, and that's everybody has their coping mechanisms, don't they? Okay, I'll be sitting in the change room like, who throws the first punch? What if I forget how to jab? And and then I think afterwards, I think I know boxing better than I know anything yeah. in my life. Like that's that's my comfort zone. Um, But I mean, it's the second they play my music. I'm in a different person. I'm like, like, you know, we, we all like talk and say, oh, like, we'll just walk slowly to the ring. And then they play my music. I'm basically running to the <laughs> ring. <laughs> I read a fantastic article not that long ago. And um, Grant Lee Chiesa, he, he rubs people up along the wrong way a lot of the time, most of the time, and he prides himself on it. Fair to say you're a dad's girl. Your dad passed way before his time. Another great man stepped into that breach being your pop. I've been knocked out, but I'm still more comfortable in that ring in the hardest of hard fights than I am in a lot of other areas in life and I guess that that is a fighter's thing the danger the the fear the everything in there really is my comfort zone do you think it was that chaos phonetic frantic pace and everything involved around boxing do you think it's that that attracted you because I did hear a story you did try netball actually played netball most of my life um 
but I, I know I went through the whole stage um, where I was partying. I was I was going out. I was getting into fights and like I, I played netball, but you know I was I was never I was I was good, but I was never going to be at the best. Way too short for that. So the way I was brought up, this a girl challenged me. I hadn't started boxing then, but my grandparents, um, who I was living with at the moment at the time, they took me down to the local boxing gym in in Adelaide. It was run by Terry Fox, who used to. He actually used to race Speedway with my dad before, like when my dad died. I mean, he was like over the moon to have me there because of my dad. And and it just, it was so hard. I Within the first month, I was I was fitter than I'd ever been in my life and, and stronger. And, and, and he was, Terry Fox is a very hard-ass um, trainer. Like, I mean, he used to have us doing chin-ups with weights hanging from our necks and things like that. And like, I mean, I was, I was just starting and, and, to me, I, I just loved it. I loved how hard it was. I loved how challenging it was. And, and that's pretty much what got me hooked. So it was literally just my grandparents taking me down there. And and I, I was still trying to do the same. Like I was still trying to go out and, and have my mates and, and party and, and do boxing and at the same time. And it just wasn't happening. And so my Terry actually created Sunday morning training, which was compulsory <laughs> just because of me. And even then, like, I would be like, I'll just go out and I'll come home at midnight and then I've got training at seven in the morning. And it was, oh, it was horrible. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, I won my first Aussie title under him as an amateur. And then um, I went to the Oceania Games, which was the 2004 Olympic selections for the men. And I, like, one of the, the national coaches there um, was Chris McCullen. And, and I learned so much of him in the way of, like, I mean, Terry was a very hard-ass person, but. Chris was very technical and I learned so much off of him. Only now it's becoming, it's, it's, I won't even say acceptable. It's just a case of the girls are now saying, okay, we're doing this. You don't like it, get out of the way. Very, very much led by Katie Taylor. And it's, it's had a couple of waves. It had Christina McMahon. It had the great Deirdre Gogarty, who made that amazing match with Chrissy Martin way back when. But really society wasn't in a place. What's coming right now behind is frightening. Has it been like that in Australia? So it's getting better. It's, I mean, it's definitely, from when I first started boxing in 2003, like, I mean, I moved from Adelaide to South Australia to Queensland because there was only one other registered female in South Australia. And, I mean, now there's there's whole state teams for every state that we've got in Australia. Like, it's a lot bigger and it's definitely much more accepted. Um, like, I mean, I run a boxing gym and, and when I first opened my gym six years ago, people would sort of walk in and be like, so where's the trainer? Like, who are you? <laughs> so, um, whereas now it's just like, it's just so much more, it's, it's accepted. I guess, you know, when they brought it into the Olympics and the Com games and things like that, it just became bigger from there. And then all those girls that I guess, like Katie and, and some of the other girls that won medals or, or that were recognized at the, the Olympics and the Commonwealth games, um, They've turned pro, so it's drawn eyes to the the pro game as well. I guess I've come from when, you know, in the amateurs, I paid for every trip I went on and we we didn't even, like nothing was, there was no camps for us. There was no anything. And now it's just, you know, these girls are getting flown all around the world to do training camps to to compete. And so I guess it's just getting so much bigger and better. That's another topic. It's a moot topic with, with a lot of people. If you get into that system and get into that setup when you're in the early ages, a lot of them are are earmark from early on and they're in 9 and 10 and 11 and they're brought through the junior ranks senior ranks but for your life it didn't suit it was just before the london um olympic selections we were told they were taking the top eight in the world and at that point i was ranked number two in the world so really all i had to do was win at australian level 
to make the games. But then they said to us that they we had to move to the AIS and I think at the time it was about $50 a week that they were paying us. I'm like, well, I've got two kids and a mortgage, so that ain't happening. <laughs> so I turned, I turned professional and, you know, like when I – Two, a year before I turned pro, six months before I turned pro, I never ever even, I didn't even like pro boxing. Yeah. Like I, I just, I never thought I would ever turn pro. I, I just, I loved amateur boxing. I loved the skill. I loved everything about amateur boxing. And when I turned pro after my first fight, I was like, damn, I can't believe I took so long to do this. <laughs> even my style changed. Like I, I was, you know, you the hook off the hook off was was my punch and and as i went right i'm turning pro i just started walking forward yeah and anyone that hasn't seen shannon style built and based off an insane fitness level and i think i think this is this is something that i wanted to build up to as well because i mean your recent fights are just they're they're enthralling they really are thrilling and i'm sure i'm sure your coach if he hasn't got a very Thin hair, he might be bald. It's a willingness to throw down and you've got all the different arts and you've got all the different skills, but when it comes to it, at some point in the fight, that has to happen, doesn't it? Yeah, it's actually a funny story. I've just changed trainers um, because I've got a management change and, and you know, it sort of worked out that I, I needed a, cha- to ch- a change in trainers as well. Um, but we always make, made a joke. I was with... Um, training with uh, Luke Meldon for seven years. And when I first started there, he had thick hair and now it's like great. He's going bold. And so when I went to my new trainer, I was like, just so you know, that hair's going to fall out. <laughs> Very soon. There's some real colourful characters. The man that's blowing the lid off worked for Australia, George Cambosis Jr. We were just yelling at our TV and it was just, it was such an exciting fight. So, so good for Australian boxing. How, how well do you know George, uh, Shannon? I don't know him well. I um like I don't I like as a since he's been pro like we've never crossed paths. Um as an amateur we did. I wouldn't say I know him mm. at all. And what about the other guy that you have to put manners on regularly? I'm guessing you've shared rounds. I see the look. I see the raised eyebrows. I see the comments. He's very rarely does Camilleri and I like Joel. I've talked with him a few times. I'm good friends with Paul Keegan and I've had different chats with him at different times. Benny Mahoney. Camilleri doesn't he doesn't answer you back too often. Have you put manners on him a few times? <laughs> no, I haven't. I haven't. I think he's just scared of. He just knows that I'll cut him down no matter what. You've offered he's him a few out. times. You've offered him sparring. He doesn't take it up yet. No. No, no, we've never, we've never even trained together. <laughs> this time last year, another guy broke my heart. He broke our hearts. Uh, he broke Dennis's heart, and he launched himself to the top of the pile in Australia. He's now at the top of the pile in Australia still, and I believe if he's going to do whatever he's going to do, he's got to move out of that pool now, and he's got to start moving across either into Asia or either into the UK. Tim Zhu. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they're 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 the mandate the mandatory fight for the winner of um Charlo or Castano. So I guess they're just waiting for that. Um, but while those two battle it out and, and make a, get, have everything confirmed, um, he's, he's, he's just going to stay active. Will we see, he's the, doing, will he, we see the Zarafa fight at all? <laughs> no, that's done and dusted. You know, a lot of people have always said about Tim, like, oh, it's just because of his name. Well, um, yeah, okay. So he got the name, obviously Costa was a legend, but Costa's not in there fighting for him. He's not in there beating every opponent that's put in front of him. And and even Nikita, Nikita's going to be just as good. He's very heavy-handed. I didn't even know there was any, another one coming along. But I'll be honest with you, this time last year, we do what we do. We support ours in numbers. We get behind them. We, we, I don't get blinkered. I knew I was under no illusions going into that fight. And especially when Wayne couldn't make it, I think that was a huge thing. That's no disrespect to Stephen. Stephen did what Stephen could do. He, 
he did the right thing because Dennis was there to get hurt. It's the next shots that were coming, and and I love Dennis like a brother. He he's he's as honest, he's as hard, he's as tough, but he he'll always hold his hand up afterwards, you know. And that's what made what happened with Munguia made it even harder to take. He doesn't look for excuses. He doesn't make excuses. Tim beat him emphatically. Up to that, I did have a little bit in my head. He used what he was given to get there, but now he's there on his own merit. We don't hold grudges unless there's a reason to. But he's by no means a certainty. He's going to make waves, isn't he? You know, when when they're the opponent, you've always got something against them. But after the fights, there's really nothing to dislike no. about Tim Zoo. He, he doesn't put people, doesn't go out of his way to put people down. If anything, he replies with confidence. Do you got to go to a place where you hate your opponent? I don't hate my opponents. I mean, my, my last few opponents have, <laughs> have done things that make me hate them. Um, but I generally, like, I don't make myself hate. In my mind, that person is getting the ring to take everything away from me. Yeah. So there's that. But it's not a personal hate. I, you've, I've, you just, you've got to do what you've got to do, win that fight. So if that if that means hating them, then that's whatever. My last fight even, I mean, it was more her coach was just trying to get in my head. And, and it was my coach from the amateurs, Chris McCullen, actually said to me, don't get in there with like, just let it go, let it go, because you're going to try and rip her head off. And that's what they want, because then they'll outbox you. He said that to me in the change room before the fight. And I just went, holy shit, you're right. So I got in there and I didn't make eye contact with her or her coach the entire fight because I, I they they... They egged me on, that knowing that the only way she could beat me is if I planted my feet and tried to bomb her, and I didn't do that. But I knew that if I made eye contact with her and, and the, the smug look she had on her face and the smug look he had on her on his face, I would have probably tried to kill her. But instead, I I, um, I boxed and I, well, pretty much with one arm, I, I outboxed someone that they said was going to be was was just full of skill. I was faster than her. I was more evasive than her. I was. I completely outboxed someone that was that was supposed to be a boxer. And I mean, she's nearly half my age. I firmly believe if people live by it and see it and act by it, well, then it's going to define you. Is it hard to be out of the ring and to be switched off? Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, I've got a, I've got a three year old now too, so he he takes up <laughs> most of my time. But I mean, I I do I get like I just I'm a very scheduled person. Yeah. So um, I get. Uh, everything's done by a time and I get everything done and I guess I don't know I just don't know life without being that busy like at the moment I'm I'm not in full-time training because I'm rehabbing my shoulder still so I've still got about two or three weeks before I start my next fight camp um and I'm busy all the time and I think how the hell do I fit like three or four hours worth of training in this day so it's just I just I'm just one of those people I just just get shit done that little dude is the absolute ringer. He could be your twin. And and the shot of him yesterday in the little videos on your social media, it's in him yeah. already, isn't it? Oh, he's just, he's just turned three. Yeah, like as long as he keeps that chin down until he cops one. I don't, I don't know where he learned that from. That last fight, a lot of needle in the build-up to it. You're honest enough to say as well, that's been the case in a few fights. Do you think opponents started to think if they could draw you out, it was a way to make it easier to do the job? You know what, you could be right, but I can outright tell you, that's not the right way to make to break me mentally. I'm so stubborn. It's weird that people try and get under my skin and things like that because that just makes me, like, you know, it might, it might ruin my day one day, but then the next day I'll wake up and I'm like, right, I'm going to kill you. I'm going, I'm, I'm doubling my run today. I'm, I'm doing more training. Like it just makes me dig my heels in. And I mean, that's how I got into boxing. Like the, the reason, the reason why I started going hard out in boxing is because somebody said she's going to be just like her mother. And I went, right, watch uh, me. Yeah. That's <laughs> so like people... I, don't know, I think that if they can get in my head, that they're, they're going to break me because it's just makes me more determined. 
the change of weight in the last few few years, it's been a, a breath of fresh air, hasn't it? It, it was a decision that I, I made. Like I used to make, I used to walk around at 57, 58 kilos and make 55. And I, I never, ever struggled. I was an average sized and strength at Super Bantam, but I just knew that I could make Bantam and I could be strong. But I also changed my strength training. And geez, it, it's just made so much of a difference, but it, it has obviously made cutting the weight a bit harder because I'm, I walk around heavier now. Like I walk mm. around at 60 kilos and I'm making 53 and a half, but I've not, I've had three fights at Bantam weight and I haven't had to sit in a sauna once. The diet plays a big part. That last week, but I don't do it sitting in a sauna. So I, um, I feel strong, um, but by the, I get in the ring 24 hours later or, or 30 hours later, some of them have been, it's not ever been in my head that I'm going to lose my legs because I've done too much training. I'm pretty determined to, to get a title, at, at least one title at Bantamweight. Titles are things that bug me, really do bug me because I've, I've become really close mates, well, as close as I can over phones and over locked over zoom and everything as with uh, maureen o'shea maureen has tread an incredible path from the state side this is not to throw shade on anybody else all, all i'm about is this there's the boxing sport itself and then there's the murky business side of it you guys were rated number two if i'm rightly saying i think you were rated number two and number three a belt became available for shannon courtney am i right in saying she was well out well below yourself or maureen I don't even know if she was even in the top 10. Is it frustrating from a fighter's point of view and from your point of view to have put in the body of work that you have? Or is that where you just put all the trust in your team? Absolutely, it's been frustrating. Right up until I met my new manager, Glenn Jennings, it was super frustrating because I just, I felt like it was never going to happen. I know now that that like he, he's he's just given me that much faith in the fact that it's going to happen now eventually like you know even with this the IBF fight that has just been announced with Ebony and, and Roman and you know I, I'm the I'm the IBF number one there's reasons why I didn't get that fight but instead of being upset about it I'm pretty much good on them I'll fight the winner it, like if if I hope Ebony wins it because I'd love to take that title off is it likely to happen at some point in time do you think unless she can be forced to fight me she's not going to fight me and, and if she doesn't win that title no, I've got no. I don't really have much interest in fighting her. I, I I want the belt. So if if she doesn't win it, then I want the winner. We haven't crossed paths in the way of face to face. I remember seeing her when she was still in the amateurs, and and even then, same sort of deal as what the things that she does now. And it, it, she was never a thought, to be honest. Good on her. She's doing her thing, and and our things are very different. I have kids that I would hate for them to be embarrassed when their friends are talking about me in that way. If I, if, if I was in her position, you know, I'm more about respect and morals, not jelly wrestling photos. People, you know, she's got it, flaunt it, whatever. But, you know, that, that's, that's not how I want to get to the top. You're firmly on course. Now, how soon in that last fight, I'm going to say you did it with one arm. When you look at what kind of done afterwards and you look at the rehab and you look at the surgery and the pieces that were left, all I can think of is, ugh. Wow, like, I mean, they've just made a difficult task even more difficult. Were you aware of it, Shannon, as, as the fight went on? You knew there was something wrong. Did the adrenaline carry you through or was it you knew exactly what was going on and you just you just adapted? Look, the whole fight prep, I, I had no jab. And, I mean, that's it's always been one of my best punches. I was sparring. Every time I threw a jab, I'd get smashed with the right hand. I'm like, what is wrong with me? And I always, I, I, the whole time I thought it was my neck was playing up because I've, I've had bulging discs in the past and I was like just get through the fight get through the fight get through the fight but the whole t- like my shoulder was just the, like it was falling apart um, I'm really lucky that I got to the fight but I remember sitting down it might have been after about the sixth round and saying to my coach I can't feel my arm 
adrenaline kicks in and and I, I I think I've been sent at least 10 photos of me jamming her with my dad after I couldn't feel my arms so <laughs> adrenaline's an amazing thing and then and I mean and even after the fight I've got my arms up in the air and then it was everyone kept like it took me a good hour to get back to the change room after the fight everyone was hugging me. I was like I can't lift my arm past shoulder height the next day I literally couldn't lift my arm a centimeter like I could not move my arm every time I tried to do anything my shoulder would dislocate like the because the labrum was completely torn the the ball of my shoulder was just rolling around mm. so I um I got an MRI on the Monday they said oh, your, your your doctor will have the results by the Wednesday the guy from the MRI place rang me Tuesday morning and said get to your doctor now you need surgery and I was like damn I knew people that that were really good close with a, a shoulder surgeon like an upper limb surgeon and I went and saw him on the Thursday like that same week and I was getting surgery on the the following Wednesday and they've been amazing and that's what you expect for a top level athlete for a world level athlete has it been a long road back frustrating as well it's a to be honest it, it's sort of been like the last month or so where I've gone I am at that level where you know the, and I guess it's the reason why the, all my opponents hate me is because they want what I've got. They mm-hmm. want to be where I am. So their way, they're like they, everyone, girls are just like that. They, they'll hate on you because of <laughs> jealousy. So I, so I sort of have gone, you know, when people offer me things and I think like, really? Like, yeah. I'm just doing my thing. But now I'm like, I am at that top level and I, I'm not jealous of any other female in Australia. They're doing their thing and, and they can all support each other and, and I'll support them and, and good on them. They, like they'll work their way up. But I'm at world level. I, I am sort of starting to really understand that. And now that I'm with the team that I'm with, Team Zoo, I, I'm really understanding a lot more about the way professionals should be treated. Well, the one that Dennis is on, I planned on fighting on that. It was only last week that I sort of took a step back and went, no, I don't want to get in the ring and not be able to throw a jab. And, and I, I don't want to get in there too early and risk future fights. Yeah. Um, so I've stepped back in and I'm doing a lot more re- actual rehab exercises now rather than, than just, you know, trying to box and, and push my way through it. So I'm looking at fighting on the next No Limit show, which is giving me a little bit more time. I want to get in there when my arm's 110% better. All these years in the game and you're learning still. You're learning still because a lot of the time in the past it'd be a panic not to be out for too long. I'm going to miss something. I'm going to miss something. Oh, it's still there. I was still at the <laughs> press conference yesterday. I'd be like, no, no, I think I'll be right. If you yeah. just want to get me a fight, I'll be good. I'll make sure I'm good. I'm good. Look, I can shadow box. And yeah. like, I know it's still there. I still want to be part of everything. I still like, you know, um, the promoter Matt Rose he said why don't you just come to this jo- show and actually enjoy it and I'm like nah and you're limbering nah, up just, you're limbering you know, up on the side of the stage you're, you're rolling the shoulders you're limbering up your shadow box and thinking oh, I can do yeah. this like, <laughs> but this is where yeah, I've got this I'm good you're in the capable hands of the likes of the Roses and Glenn Jennings I mean the way they're moving Tim Zoo, the way they've worked in the past with Costa the way they work they can put their hand on your shoulder your good shoulder and say look just sit it out we've got you that's exactly what they're doing and for the first time in a long time I I can go okay I've got 110 million percent trust in in what they're doing and 100 percent like okay let's let's wait yep okay because I I know that it's going to happen that's where it all comes together nicely and and it's it's a lifetime's work on your behalf come into the hands of people who have really had a lifetime in the game. Can I ask you just a couple of quick points before I let you go? One thing that struck me and that always jumps out is is Australia, there's such a huge affinity with Ireland. 
can't help but think with a name like O'Connell, is there any Irish connection? My dad was born in England. I'm told, I've, I've tried finding it like through family trees. I'm told my, uh, my great-great-grandfather was Irish. I would say, I would hazard a guess, it's a very, very strong South of Ireland Bort Kerry name. So many people have said, oh, just, just go with it. Just, you know, start wearing Irish colours. Yeah. Like, yeah. You're a spiritual person. When you make that final step, when they finally put that belt around your waist, should we let those emotions out yet? To be honest, I get a lump in my throat thinking about it. Uh, when it when it happens, um, yeah. Um, Let's exciting. keep it there. Let's keep that genie in the bottle until it happens. I'm not just going for one belt. I really want to go down as... as yeah, I, I want to be remembered. I, w- I want more than one belt. I want, I want to be, I want to unify. Brings me around nicely to Australian boxing right now, and we touched on it earlier on. And it'll be, it'll be, it'll be remiss to say it's all down to George. I look back to to the likes of Jeff Fennick, who was around at the time of our great Barry McGuigan. Jeff Horn, Dennis, he's done things for Irish boxing. What, what went on in Mexico? <sighs> I don't know. I still haven't recovered from it. So when he speaks to me and he's trying to calm me down, <laughs> it tells you the measure of the man. <laughs> but when we look at Australian boxing, I mean, let's be honest, we look at the Justice Hooney, we look at we look at Miguel Zarafa, we look at Tim Zoo himself, we look at the Maloney brothers, George Cambosis, Benny Mahoney. It's it's a hotbed of talent that's bubbling and bubbling and bubbling. It's 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 about to take off, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. George has done like George has done amazing in Jeff Horney as well. Just the way everything has happened, it, I feel like. Five years ago, even more, like 10 years ago, Australians got given opportunities, but let's be real, they were taken over to get knocked out. Now we're getting these opportunities and we're in these fights, we're winning these fights. Um, So it's just come so far in that way, like, you know, we're, we're going to fights to win, we're not going to fights just to get in the ring. Um, like on the on the world stage, it's it's amazing, it's awesome. Um, like you know, I love the Maloney brothers. They're they're probably, um, you know, because they're because they're the same size as me. Yeah. They're 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 my favourites in Australia. Um, I love working with them. Like I spar even sparring Andy, I, I just I learn so much. I'm somebody that it, it tends to mimic what's in front of me. So when I spar. Andy, he because he's such a good boxer, it brings out the best in me. The last thing I'll say to you, Shannon, and thanks very much for taking time. It's it's what is it? It's ten past twelve. No, it's not. It's half past twelve here at midnight in Ireland. What's next for Shotgun? Um, I'm hoping. Well, I'm hoping to be on the next No Limit card. I think I'll be 110 percent because that still gives me, I think, two or three weeks of of rehab before I even start camp. Um, I hope that that's for a, a title or even a title eliminator. Matt and George, they're working on things. They've got plans and they've got a, a path. I'm planning to make this a, a, a great finish to my career. And when I say finish, I mean, it's, you know, I've, I'm not putting a timeline on that. I could I could be still going in two or three years. Who knows? I could be going in four years. Because I come from the land of plenty. Kind of hard to know what to say, isn't it, when you hear stories, real life stories of, of not just struggle, but endurance and an absolute overpowering will not to give in and to just keep on keeping on. Incredible stuff. Thanks to Shannon for giving me her time. It's a good while ago now. I'd like to claim that I knew there was bigger and better things coming on the horizon, but at the time, the intention was to put the interview out immediately. But between one thing and another, me losing my mojo and boxing hitting the speed bumps, and it just kind of got better with time. 
And now, as we sit on the precipice of Shannon, facing our fellow Australian, Ebony Bridges, and the war of worlds heating up, I think, I think it's, it just adds a little bit of flavour to what it promises to be a, a, a really, really intriguing battle. On other occasions, it might be difficult to find a story or a guest or, or a boxer to put alongside and to basically stand on their own merits. And there are quite a few over the last few weeks and months, but one really jumped off the page when I thought about it. And not just is it and her achievements and her merits, but an opportunity to catch up with a friend of ours who's been here before and who always gets a great reaction. It's the Ballybuckle European Youth Champion. She's just added an under-22 European gold medal. It's Fast Hands herself, Niamh Fay actually all go like you're saying from lockdown and stuff having literally nothing and then we all go from um whether it's september we had the least of february the other 22s then march the europeans you know what i mean so i've been kind of all the way go until may with the world it didn't really get a chance to settle in if you know what i mean so like that i won the europeans and then straight away then it was the next thing so now i'm having a little bit of downtime before getting ready for uh, the europeans hopefully in october I think when I spoke to Evelyn Agaro off the back of her second senior title, it's a little bit like waiting on a bus in Ireland, none for hours, and then you get two or three all at the one time. Is the build-up, Neve? Is it is it much different, or is is it now in uh, the system in place that prepares you guys, whether you're a cadet, youth, senior, junior? The difference is the experience in the other boxers and the less experience you have with these big tournaments, and just like like just getting rounds into you really. It is another ring, you know. I mean, somewhere else, but it's nerves and it's like that for the boxing there's a lot more than just like you're saying the training like you know I mean you have to be mentally prepared to get into the ring like there's a lot that goes into going into the ring you're part of a new wave and what's coming behind you again is is it's just short of phenomenal has it been almost surreal or did you just do what you do you come and you, and you let your talent speak for itself how has that been received yeah. but it kind of hit me that like when i was going over and i was kelly uh unfortunately got an injury and she didn't get to go over to the world so she was over with us at the training camp and for me it was like looking at kate taylor and i was only 11 you know i'm like oh my god and now all of a sudden looking at kelly who's done has won the olympic gold medal as well the next thing i'm on a team with her like that's when it kind of did hit me a little bit because I suppose I kind of expect these things from me to be on the team, to do these things. And you don't really get to enjoy it, you know what I mean? You, like that, once you hit the goal, it's next goal and all the rest. But when you actually do take a step back, like I was saying before I called you there, I was having a look at actually what I did in the year. And I'm like, oh my God, it's been a really good year. See, I, I would have uh, liked that, wanted to be world champion and all the rest. But it's been a very good year. You don't appreciate it and think, until you take a step back and go, wow, look what I've actually done, <laughs> you know? That's that's something that I I I um I try to stress is to take time, however fleeting it might be, is to take time to enjoy it and and really soak it in because I suppose in anything yeah. that we do, whether it's me with the podcast and the media side of stuff, whether it's you with the with yeah. the um taking the bumps and bruises, it's it's we're oftentimes onto the next thing and onto the next thing and onto the next thing. And I tell you what, I do yeah. remember, Neve, and it stuck with me, and 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 I smile about it regularly, and I know I I send you the odd cheeky text message about it, and we talk about yeah, preparations yeah. and traditions. <laughs> Has that carried through with the old blue bonbons? Yeah, I'm still having the bonbons. <laughs> I don't think that will ever change. <laughs> if it, you don't think what's bro- uh, not broken, isn't it? <laughs> I've spoken to world champions in Australia. I've spoken to European champions in the UK. I've spoken to Charlie Cavan in Canada. And I've heard of all the little rituals. I've heard of some who don't yeah. believe in any of it. And i got to say, they all agree. Yours is definitely the most unique one that we've ever heard of. So. <laughs> 
your route to the gold medal in the Europeans, you definitely got what what you could say a tough draw, and some would say, I mean, when you look at that draw, you you beat Ukraine, you beat Finland, you beat our old friendly neighbours, the noisy neighbours, and then you had yeah, yeah. you had what many would have described as a David and Goliath final against an Italian who was bigger, stronger, physical, and and she did all she could to what what we'd say and the lads would be to old man you, but. Yeah, yeah. Is that tactics? Is that come down? I know there's a lot of tactics sessions, your video sessions and stuff, or is it a lot of the time as well? You've got to improvise and, and bring what you what you know and your flair to it. Yeah, that's what. So the first Europeans, I was worried about everybody else, and to be honest, I actually don't look at the draw anymore. I see one fight at a time that I've learned in this game. If you're looking at who I'm going to be boxing two days time, it can be over very quickly. So like that, it was when we were fighting the Ukrainian, it was just her, you know what I mean, and seeing her style, but. Most of the time, to be honest, I know what I'm good at, you know, and I try and implement that in the ring more than focus. And now, obviously, if I can see that the girl is the right, if she's going to your right hand, yeah, we use that. But mainly, we're kind of focused on what I'm good at and trying to make sure that I do the best in the ring that I can. One of the most, one of the most heartwarming and and beautiful images we've had over the last few years, and we've had we've had a fair few in this game, despite all the negativity and all the doom and gloom and was your your celebration when you did win your European and, and dad in the corner and everything else. Is 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 he still a part of the setup or, or when you move into the elites does that become does it become defined a little bit more? I don't get to have as much time with him now because I'm in the uh, high performance from Tuesdays to Fridays. But during the weekends when we have a chance we do work together and stuff like that. It's also good to be in the high performance with different coaches because then I'd be saying, right, Dad, this is what I learned this week. And he's going, oh, right, let's add that to your game. And do you know what I mean? Work on these things. So it is good to have new eyes. But then as well, it is good to have my dad in my corner as well, you know? Be able to come back now and teach the, teach the teacher a little bit. <laughs> but like that, I think that's maybe the worst. Uh, I could say a few things to my dad that I wouldn't be able to say to other coaches, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you telling me to do something I'm like oh I don't know <laughs> and at one time Neve, that would have been a strange scenario or an unusual setup but now I've had the conversation with Casey Rock I've had it with a few so it's, it's something that's becoming more and, and it's great to see as well it is great to see because yeah. the rising tide yeah. I suppose raises all chips I won't keep you too much longer this, the return the welcome home Neve, describe it it was just so emotional to be honest it was brilliant because like that getting my hand raised the final you know you're You've won the gold, you're on the podium, and then that's kind of then we just went back to the hotel, and it kind of felt like that was it, you know? <laughs> but then when you get to come home and you see all these people in my community, like I'm from a small village, Valley Bottle, uh, you know what I mean? And it's a very much a community. Everybody knows everybody, you know? People be driving past me when I'm running on the roads, and they know the hard work that I put into the boxing. And it's great to see them down and support me. It's just brilliant. It's like, I, I, I was speechless, you know what I mean? Even talking about it now, you're nearly getting emotional because it means so much to have these people around. Like, it really does. It makes it so much more special. Like I said, it's just that, like, right, you won the gold, finish, and then for these people to do these things for me and make sure that I had the best welcome home ever, it was absolutely brilliant. I, I'm so grateful because it makes these memories, like, it's just brilliant. It really is. It's, uh, I'm sure it does make those grinds, those mornings where it's like, oh, here we go, a track session, or here we go to yeah. the institute. It's, yeah, just it just is. And the last thing to you, then, uh, two points. One is what it feel when you come back to the club. All of a sudden, now you, I, I, I can, I won't assume, but I can guess. Again, we were coming off the coattails of Katie and 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 before Kelly's success when you picked up the gloves for the first time. 
what there wasn't as many certainly accessible maybe in your own club or whatever but now you are that person that those girls look up to is that something that brings a pressure or do you enjoy it or, or how is it it feels weird because like that in my head I'm still the same on me if you know what I mean but I do remember like that we had um, when I was boxing I had Chrissy O'Reilly and a few other big lads in the club and I remember like looking at them and hopping on the back with my I know it's probably annoying them but you know what I mean hopping on the back because I want to be them and then like that it's mad that I kind of like that I am them you know what I mean now and like say you're looking at the kids and it's mad <laughs> like I'd be parents be talking to me saying oh you said hello to such and such and they were delighted and I'm like god I only said hello you know what I mean <laughs> but it's mad it, it really is and it's, it's inspirational because I know I had them people in the club who I looked up to and it's brilliant that now I get to do what they did to me in return you know what I mean and try and guide them and stuff like that it, it really is lovely to be honest it's mad because like I said I had them people that I looked up to and now all of a sudden I became them I, I did what I wanted to do you know and you're not done yet. Fast hands has a bit left no, to do. No. So, yeah. so what you what you essentially what you essentially doing, Neve? You're paying forward. What, what the same as what it feels like to you for Kelly saying hello and rubbing shoulders. That's what it means to yeah. those girls. So you're you're aware of that and conscious of it, and it and it's it's fantastic. Boxing isn't all winning. It isn't all glory, and there's a lot of downsides of it. No, of course, no. you had the setback in the, the elite. You couldn't get better experience, but to bounce back from it and the way you've done it, you make it look easy. I'm sure it wasn't all that easy. No, like that when you have the highs. After getting a high, the lows are lower, you know, because you never want to be kind of in them hits. You never want to be there. But I think, I'm not going to talk nonsense, obviously, I would have loved to win. But when you do take them, you have to look them as positives. You know, you're going to grow from, I, I've been here before, you know, before winning my under 18 uh, Europeans. I was there, you know what I mean? I had to work harder. I had to do everything, you know what I mean, to try and get the medal. And then it came. And I know eventually it will come again but I know what I have to do to do it you know I have to know I have to go back to the gym and work harder and I think sometimes it is better to be chasing you know to try and because you know you have to work hard you know so like that you have to take the positives from it and just keep on going you know that's it that's it and the last thing I'll yeah. ask you the focus for now um it, the, the year is as we say we're heading into the the, the final quarter of the year um, some people in yeah. some people will be coasting. Some people will put their feet up. Some people in work will be looking forward to annual bonuses and whatever else. What is yeah, it? For, yeah. What is it for fast hands from here on in? What's we're starting to zero in on Paris. It doesn't seem that far away, but you guys have it yeah. broken down a lot more finitely. I'm sure. What does it involve now from here on in until the the end of the year? Yeah. Well, so we're just gonna be like that. Keep on training. Keep on ticking over. And then the next thing is in October, uh, the Europeans, please God. And then after that, then the elite start it all again and like you're saying for uh for the qualifiers so the elite is the big one start all again and it's a uh, it's something that's very familiar for for top level elite fighters whether it's in the amateur or the pro code it's a cycle it's it's a building process step by step fight by fight striving to make those one percent improvements each time all towards the bigger picture I hope you've enjoyed this episode on a weekend which has been pretty barren when it comes to sport and pretty miserable when it comes to weather, but we're doing our very best to celebrate the matriarch of female fighting. It won't be too long now before the fights are refixed or back in action again. So from me and them until then, stay safe, stay sane and smile. All's well that ends well.